Welcome to this week's Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, I am really honored uh, to share a conversation with you with Greg McHale. Uh, Greg is the host of a adventure kind of wilderness hunting show on the Sportsman's Channel called Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. And I think his show is one of those shows where the the hunting aspect is definitely part of it, but there's also this other whole like adventure aspect as well. Um, so we talk a lot about adventures today. Uh, Greg, um, Greg's all about getting to the places in the Yukon uh, that he's hunting with human power. So he's a mountain athlete. He's a, he used to be a big time adventure racer. And so he's combining all these passions together to create this really cool, wonderful adventure TV show. Um, and so just to read something kind of from his, the description from his website it says, Greg McHale will take you on foot and under human power to the hidden quarters of Canada's Yukon in pursuit of big game adventure and challenge rediscovering the commitment our ancestors felt when heading out onto the land. And I got to say this conversation like captures all of those. Um, there's something about challenging yourself to get to these really wild places. And when I think of wild places, the Yukon is <laughs> one of the main places I think of. Um, you know, cause I'm a kid, I grew up reading, you know, like Jack London and, uh, what was that book where the kid like hatchet? I don't know if you ever read that. It was like a kid's book, but it was about a kid who like crashed in the wilderness and had to survive with his hatchet. And like in these stories, like the Yukon is what I'm picturing that Northern mountainous wilderness where it's like as wild as it could possibly get there's danger around every corner uh it's not an easy place to navigate and so greg does that and in his show he navigates uh by rafting in canoeing in um he flies his own little prop planes into these areas uh there's even he talks about on the show he did a whole episode where he left from his house and traveled 100k um through hiking and rafting or hiking and you know paddling up to the area where he was going to hunt and it's really like that just sounds like the essence of adventure to me um and so yeah i had a blast talking to greg i really um thought we connected and he's a really cool guy he's had some amazing experiences uh, so I hope you guys enjoy the show and and really check out his his show. It's called Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. And if you enjoy adventure, I promise you, you're going to enjoy the show. It's it just I think I mentioned in the episode, like it seems like the Yukon almost plays in a character in the show, right? Like the Yukon is one of the reasons why you tune in is to see what is this area actually like. So. Uh, definitely check that out. It's on the Sportsman's channel. Um, Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Greg McHale's Wild Yukon as well. And just check out that account. It'll kind of give you an idea of 
of what the what the show what the show kind of is so uh yeah hope you guys enjoy the the episode um go back check out all the rest of the like a bigfoot podcast and uh yeah hope you guys are having a great start to 2019 all right let's get into it this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 128 with greg All right, guys, this week we are welcoming Greg McHale of uh, the Wild Yukon to the show. And Greg, welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, I want to hear a little bit, like, just start off, like, tell us a little bit about your show. Um, I've seen a little bit of it, and I got to say, like, I absolutely love the adventure aspect of it and, like, the getting into the wild and... You know, I'm addicted to these shows where you get to see the like beautiful wilderness of, especially like northern Canada. Yeah, no, um, I guess you know our show is is shot in the Yukon, so we I live here and we've done all of our filming and and it's you know it's a predominantly a, a hunting it's a hunting television program. Um, I don't know how much of your viewers actually hunt or if there's any any interest. I come from a, you know a multi-sport, an athletic, you know heavy endurance background. So that may have led uh, led me to having this conversation with you, yeah, which man. is uh, which is which is pretty neat because um, you know that's really where my where my life has been um, athletically, and part of my life has always been hunting. So when I was able to to bring the two of these passions that I've you know lived for um, together, it's it's created kind of this this perfect storm for me where I get to put all of the things that I really love doing, and I get to put them in one you know one big ball and uh, and throw it throw it back and forth. So um, yeah, it's it's just been. It's been a great journey to you know to this point, and it's yeah we're really we're really fortunate to to have had the you know the success that we have in as er, well I shouldn't say as early as we have but um, because this has not been a um, this has not been a <laughs> a one year journey this is a this is twenty years this is like the yeah. ultra ultra of all marathons <laughs> yeah <laughs> to here that's awesome yeah. well yeah man so. I guess, yeah, we haven't really had many mountain hunters on the show, but the appeal to me is you are putting all these various disciplines together and you're going out into the wilderness, like specifically on a mission. And that's really cool to me as like a guy who, you know, I'll go for trail runs and I'll go mountain biking and all that stuff. But like to put all that together and then to really just have this like singular focus is really interesting to me. Um, yeah, the, the, I guess the, I've always been very goal driven and competitive. So, you know, having that background in adventure racing where, you know, we race days on end with, with no sleep and, um, that kind of, that kind of drive to be able to do those kind of sports and then take that to the hunting world, which is just has been a passion like athletics has always been part of my life and and hunting has been part of my life since I was you know 14 
Um, but I really focused on the athletics part for so many years and, and the hunting was always there, but sometimes some things have to take a backseat to others. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing about the hunting is it's been, a, I've changed disciplines over my, you know, over my career as an athlete from, you know, high level, like big wall climbing to, you know, to climbing, you know, vertical ice and mountaineering. That was a big passion of mine for a while. And then adventure racing. And I've always had the, you know, for good fortune of being able to do these things at a fairly high level. And the one thing that stayed constant throughout all of my, you know, change in say activities yeah. is that hunting has always been there. And so when it was just kind of the natural process, once I started into filming and to, um, there are, you know, there are so many hunting shows out there that, yeah. that, that are doing, you know, doing the same thing. In my opinion, I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative about anybody else's, anybody else's program. I'm just trying to say that the waters are bloody in the <laughs> hunting, in the hunting film industry. And if you, if you can't separate yourself from, you know, from the masses, then it, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it gets pretty watered down. Yeah. Um, I didn't intentionally go out to, you know, there wasn't this massive intent for 10 years that I want to be on television and be this, um, this adventure style hunter. That, that was not it. It just seemed that we, we started out enjoying by filming some of our hunts and then we just wanted to hunt the way we love to hunt, which is getting out there and getting after it hard with human power. Yeah. As much as we can. Definitely, man. Um, I'm I'm from uh like southeastern Iowa and I remember growing up my dad had a hunting cabin uh in southern Iowa that was like 180 acres and all that and him and his buddies would go and you know, they would do the classic like midwestern hunt which is in a tree stand where you're you're sitting there you're kind of patiently waiting for the deer to show up. And as a kid, who was very active and like kind of hyper like I could not handle that I couldn't handle like I remember he took me turkey hunting a couple times and you're sitting behind the blind and like you have to be as quiet as humanly possible and I just could not do that <laughs> so your yeah. style like yeah. going into the mountains climbing big peaks like that like camping out and all that stuff like that appeals to me big time well it's it's funny you say that because I grew up in Ontario um, in southern Ontario and farm country. So that what you're talking about there is completely like <laughs> I relate to that. Yeah. And um, that's where I started out. And um, I quickly realized that that style of hunting for me was never going to work because I couldn't do exactly what you were talking about. St sit in a tree stand yeah. for hours on end and just maybe I, you know, wasn't comfortable with being lost in my own thoughts or whatever it was <laughs> at that point. But you wanted to, I wanted to crawl out of my skin and I give people a lot of credit that can actually do it because that's mind domination. And, um, and, and I really, to be able to sit there and, and just watch a field. Um, but yeah, uh, I loved hunting and that's where I started that kind of, that style of hunting. Yeah. Um, but I quickly learned that I needed, uh, I needed to be moving. So I would always be the guy that 
got out of the tree stand way earlier than he ever should have and just started walking around <laughs> yeah. looking for deer and uh and hoping to you know to spot and stock something in uh, in an area where you just don't do that <laughs> yeah there's something to be said like i think now that i'm a little older maybe i could understand sitting there it's like meditation kind of deal but when i was a kid it would be like I would be sitting there and I would look at my watch and then I would sit for a little bit longer. And I'm like, that has to be an hour. Like I had to have been out here for an hour and I look at it, it'd be like five minutes. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Where'd you grow a... up in Ontario? Um, so about two hours uh, west of Toronto, okay. so right in the middle of, right in the middle of farm country. Yeah. Um, uh, just uh, not, not far from Kitchener. Okay. Yeah, man. We, we, uh, I know Ontario's like gigantic east to west, but we would go, you know, uh, it, through Minnesota up into the, all the lakes up there and go fishing and whatnot. Yeah. Nice. So, it's a beautiful country up there. Yeah. yeah, man. So when did you move to the Yukon? Um, just right after university. Um, my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, we moved out here to, out here together. We, um, yeah, we packed up. We just basically packed up. She had a, uh, a Sundance, and we threw everything we had in it because I didn't have a vehicle. <laughs> um, and um, we put everything we had in it, and we drove out to the Yukon right after graduation in uh, April. And we spent, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of one of my first jobs. Well, my first job was actually in a in a men's clothing store, which is is ridiculous um for me but um i was desperate to be in the yukon i guess and i was willing to uh willing to take anything to stay here but it was i, I spent about a month in that job and i actually the first guy this guy walked in with uh he was wearing a camouflage jacket and i s started talking to him about hunting and he was an outfitter no and uh and i took a job uh i basically sold myself to him right there that i was you know, I could hang in the mountains and I could pack it, pack a bunch of weight and I could do all these kind of, kind of things that he needed, needed done. And, um, yeah, this, this kid that was in a, working in a men's clothing store, got a job as an outfitter. <laughs> how do you, how do you sell that in that moment? You're wearing like a polo shirt. I'm imagining like folding a clothes, some clothes. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think that he saw the desperation in my <laughs> face that I needed to get out of here so bad that he yeah. felt sorry for me and said, all right, kid, just throw it back back on and let's, let's see what you're made of. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> That's cool. So when you were talking earlier about like changing disciplines and passions kind of as it comes to athletics, like why do you think you have constantly changed like the path you take? Um, <clears throat> I think that I've been... I've traditionally as growing up I've I've been I've needed change and I've never been really comfortable with staying the staying with the same thing once I've reached a certain level um and so athletically like you know I grew up playing hockey like most other Canadian kids and I played at a fairly high level um and once I knew I wasn't going to make the NHL, hockey was over for me. Yeah. So um, that's kind of been that's that's kind of been my my mo for lack of a better term. And and I'm, I'm as I get older, I start to figure out who I am and and what what makes me tick. And I think that those 
that ability to to move, um, a lot of people would look at that as a negative thing. Oh, he does, he's not staying the course. But um, what I'm doing is I'm constantly trying to challenge myself. I'm trying to be the best that I can be at whatever it is that I'm choosing to find that passion in at the time. And <clears throat> I think that that's, you know, that's kind of how, how I've, just how I've worked. I used to be my real, my first, what people would call job is I used to be an, an RCMP member. So I used to be a Mountie and I did that for about eight years. And as I started to grow and, um, and I kind of knew that this wasn't going to be my path because, um, I, I wasn't good. I wasn't good at not taking direction. Um, I was fine with taking direction from people that I respected and that that knew what I was, you know, that knew what I was doing out on the streets every day. Um, but sometimes management can lose that perspective. And I'm not I'm not just saying this is about the RCMP. I'm saying yeah. it's about every, you know, every business that people forget where they came from or how they got to where they are and the things that people the challenges that people face in those lower positions. So I knew right away um, that that wasn't going to be my my career path forever, and I needed more. And I what I needed was I needed to to make my own decisions and to be able to run my own businesses. Yeah, so. man. Yeah, it's and now I gotta imagine like on your show the buck kind of stops with you, right? Yeah, like absolutely. Like there, when when stuff goes bad, there is no one coming. It's up to you. Right. Yeah. It's it's and, and that goes from the business side to whether, you know, I'm out scouting and I, you know, I crash my airplane. Like if it doesn't really matter, it's there's no one's coming to save you um, figuratively. You're going to have to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, like total accountability. And it's probably something you've learned throughout your experiences doing adventure racing. And like you said, I didn't I didn't know you're a big wall climber but that's something that i'm like whoa like <laughs> it's just one poor decision on that and it's bad news yeah it's but it's it's all it's all it's all calculated risk yeah i've been i've been very much um you know one of those people that um i wouldn't say that i've been crazy risky like yes i've you know i've climbed 200 foot waterfall ice with, you know, with no ropes. And I've, I've done that, but really, and I don't look at that as, as being risky. It's to, and I know that sounds weird yeah because when you can, when you feel this, a confidence level that is so high in your ability that, and you can have the ability to control your mind in dangerous life threatening situations, and you can calm yourself and do the job at hand, get the task done. And in that, in a situation like that, where you know the task is put your ice axe in the ice, pull on it, and do it over and over and over again until you're at the top and you walk off. And that's just life. Yeah. It's just taking one step at a time. How do you climb the mountain? You take it one step at a time. How do you climb waterfall ice when all everything is telling you you're going to fall and die? You take it one step at a time. Yeah. And 
yeah, and it it's worked for me. So I mean, yeah. Well, I think like when you uh, first say that when you know climbing two hundred foot waterfall without ropes, most people's reaction is like, "Whoa, that seems extremely dangerous." But when you take into account someone's experience level and you know everything they've gone to up to that point it kind of changes the perception then yeah yeah i think you hit it right there if that makes sense well so totally when going back to your show for a second like how do you balance like it just has to be a big balance filming these episodes like you have to be a filmmaker you have to be a host you have to be like an expedition guide and a hunter all at the same time like how how do you go about balancing that I think that I think that the only way that you can and I think that in a lot of ways this is what separates our show from from you know a lot of other shows is that you know I could easily say that what's what separates us is well we have the Yukon and the Yukon is an amazing place and it's beautiful and it has rich with game yes that's one the other thing is we have a great team all of us are pretty good athletes and we just, we charge after it and we enjoy being with each other and we're all off to the same goal. Um, and then really it's been a lifetime of putting all of this together. So when you ask about, you know, all of the logistics to pull these kind of things off, it's just all of these pieces have been part of my life, whether it's, you know, building an expedition to go and climb, you know, McKinley or Logan, you know, these kind of things. That's, that's that expedition style attitude. And then, you know, adventure racing for, you know, for 10 years at a professional level, it's, that's, you know, that's the drive and the mindset that nothing, you are not going to quit. You're always driving. Um, so that's another piece. And then, you know, being able to go out and, you know, get my pilot's license and, you know, have, have airplanes so that I can get further back into the back country and I can really go to places where nobody really goes. Like these are all just pieces of this big puzzle that I've been putting together over 20 years. And now it's, it's actually not difficult when I have to put mold all of them together to be able to put together a show. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask a little bit about like, how do you find a crew that can handle this? Because it seems like you'd have to be a special kind of filmmaker to be able to, like, like you said, I mean, you're back, you're back in the back country. Like no one's coming to rescue you guys. If something goes wrong, like you're going to have to self, you know, get yourself out of there. So how do you find people who are doing this? And like, how big is your crew when you're filming? A crew is, um, is super small okay. <laughs> That helps. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, it's, it's very difficult to find. And that's why this, this team has been built. Um, we've built this, uh, together over, you know, over a number of years. And, um, sh- yes, if I was, if I was going to say, I did actually bring a fellow in, um, that, uh, that did some filming this year with us. And I can't go to the to the traditional hunting film crews. Um, yeah. And so where I you know where I look is to that you know skiing mountaineering style of of filmmaking, and that's that's the kind of crew that that we are. I would say we are definitely more on the adventure 
um, yeah, the adventure style of of filming mountain films and that kind of thing. That's that's kind of where our core would would be. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes your show good is in my opinion is like the documentary feel of it. You know, you're you're getting the shots of the Yukon and the the like the wilderness itself is almost a host of the show alongside of you. It seems like yeah. and and that appeals to me as someone who, you know, like imagines myself going out on these adventures i guess if that makes sense yeah and like i i appreciate that that's how you how you feel because that is certainly the um the intent that we went with in season one is to is to show more of a a cinematic style of of hunting that you just don't find in the genre from what i see um so yeah, I think I, I'm glad that that's how you felt. That's because that is what we were what we were shooting for. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of it too is almost like you have aspects of a travel show where you know you're like getting into the wild places is a story on its own. Yeah, the the Yukon is you know yes we i literally can walk out my back door and hit the trails and go for run for miles and not see anybody um it's it's a big place so like you, anywhere anywhere you go if you get off of the you know the two main roads um you're you're into it <laughs> so yeah. so i and and i try to really look for places when i'm doing logistics of places that people would just never see like you Connors will just never go. And that's where I try to focus and, uh, and get into those kind of places whenever possible. Yeah, man. Well, so how much of, can you kind of describe a little bit of your adventure racing career? Like what, what, where have you been in the world and how has that kind of like helped you handle the extreme elements that you'd find in the Yukon? Yeah. Um, Wow, we've been pretty much to every continent, I guess, without the exception of Antarctica, um, and racing from China to, you know, races in a lot of races in the U.S., which are some some awesome races. Mexico, there's just kind of all over Europe. We've been raced all over the world, really. That's awesome, man. I gotta give a shout out. So, so I looked up. Uh, I looked you up and looked at an adventure race thing. And tell me if this is you. But uh, Atumwa, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was I was there. That was you? No way, man! Because <laughs> I was like Greg McHale, adventure racing, and an article from like the Atumwa paper, and I was kind of like, "Is there an Atumwa in Canada?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you guys the only one. <laughs> so out of yeah. every place, obviously Atumwa, Iowa is the most uh, you know out there kind of place, huh? yeah i would say that that was one of the um uh one of the races that surprisingly enough we will never forget really because (laughs) yeah because it was so forgettable in a lot of ways (laughs) excuse me that's funny. So, and I understand that you're from that uh, from yes. that country, so, so I don't mean to uh, to carve it up. But at the same time, I, I I but I did know that kind because Southern Ontario is like that, right? Yeah. Oh, it's totally. It's like that farm country. It's flat. It's just like 
you know, there, where do you find adventure in Tamwa, Iowa? Uh, but you know what? You start uh, you start piling days on top of each other and night navigation and traveling and and it, uh, it it's it's an adventure race. It's interesting. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, so any like memorable like what was the what was in your opinion like the hardest moment or like the most challenging thing you had to overcome in adventure racing? Um, I'm, I'm probably going to go not necessarily to, to answer this one to the adventure racing, but I did, um, because the one that is most memorable to me as far as difficulty is a race that I did here in the Yukon. Actually, it's a, it was called the Arctic ultra and it's a 700 K nonstop race from Whitehorse. Dawson City and it's in the middle of the winter and you know it was minus 45 temperatures and it's a running race and you have to carry all of your stuff so that was uh, that race took me um, took me a day almost a day longer than I had anticipated 100 kilometers a day and it took I was into day eight I think before I finished it but just mentally mentally demanding and I was just out there on my own for you know after the marathon I never saw another person on the whole race course for that's you know the next 600 and yeah 660 kilometers I didn't see another person on the course yeah there were people uh, there were like five checkpoints so like kind of 80 to 100 kilometer checkpoints apart um so that was probably the most uh, the most difficult mentally. Yeah. Um, just being, and in, in the winter time here, the days, daylight is really short. So it was just you and your head torch and your mind and running for, for days at temperatures that, um, that you wouldn't, you know, typically you wouldn't want to walk out to the mailbox for. Yeah. Uh, do you, do so, you play like, like, do you play mental games at that point? Like, how do you handle that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's just all a big mind screw (laughs) to like for, I don't know how else to put it. It's just, I call it like for myself, I call it mind domination. It's just every day, just when something comes into your head that tells you something negative, that being able to shelf that, you know, that negative thought that comes in and being able to put it away somewhere and, and it evaporates and just keep at the task at hand. So that's what that, that whole event was for me is because is breaking it down into small chunks. Okay. It, the next chunk is it's only a hundred K. So we just got to get to the next checkpoint and it's going to be 24 hours or whatever it's going to be just breaking it down into, into small or, or, and then breaking that further down, and I just have to cross this lake. Yeah. This lake is 10 kilometers long. I just have to get to the end of this lake, and then I've got a bush section because I've got my map and I've got my compass, and I know what you know. I, I know what I have to is, is up ahead of me. So it's just breaking everything down into little chunks and taking one step at a time. Yeah, I remember uh, talking to Travis Macy on here, which is who kind of connected us about. About this idea, yeah, he's awesome and his book is just fantastic and I think he brought it up in his book, but the idea of like, there, 
it's like balancing trying to stay in the present moment and then also putting the present moment aside. So when I hear you say uh, that you're just like, I got to get to the end of that lake, you know, at that point, you're kind of like, I don't know, thinking about the future more than just like being with your, like you almost need to distract yourself in that way to get through something that challenging. Yeah. You, I think if you look at the totality of any large task and the large task is completely relative to who you are and the experiences you've had in your life. So, but if you break down anything into small chunks, it becomes palatable. You know, how do you eat, how do you eat a moose? You know, one (laughs) mouthful at a time or an elephant or whatever the the saying is. Well, for you, it'd definitely be a moose, moose. right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so is, and that's, that's like a metaphor for life. You just, you just chunk it up and you get through one piece and then you just keep moving to the next. Yeah. That's and awesome, then eventually man. you tear up 700 kilometers and it's over. <laughs> and then are you kind of thinking to yourself, like, I can't believe I just did that. No, I was after that when I was kind of thinking, oh my God, I got to retire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I, I've had that feeling a number of times throughout my career, and um, it doesn't ever seem to uh, seem to go go that way because um, it's just really not in my nature. Yeah, I remember the first adventure race and that uh, that I ever did, and you know, I guess one of the advantages that I have over most people is that I have I have a wife that is a tremendous athlete as well. Um, and and a, a better athlete than myself and a better person all around but um nonetheless she and i have been able to you know to really spend a lot of our time together and and push each other and be able to be there for each other and she completely understands who i am and where you know what my goals are and how i go about getting there and i understand her as well and her, and um, Denise and I have raced together. Well, we did almost all of our career, adventure racing career, racing together. She was the one woman on, you know, on a team of three guys. Uh, and and she, you know, she's a crazy high level athlete. So it's, um, yeah, it's been just a, it's been a great, great journey. And that's awesome. It's awesome to spend it with your wife. Yeah. So I was going to ask you a little bit about flying bush planes. Um, that seems very intense. That's um, flying <laughs> aviation in itself is is fabulous. Um, I for me, it's always been I've like I said earlier, it's always been about a goal. I've been very goal oriented and driven, and I started um, started wanting to fly because I wanted to get back into places to hunt and. So that was the that was the motivating factor for getting my pilot's license and and buying an airplane. Um, but the ancillary benefit of that has been bush flying is just so much fun. <laughs> um, it's it's you know a lot of people would consider it very dangerous or it's but it's like everything. It's like climbing waterfall ice. It's like if you if you practice and you take your time and you learn from your mistakes and hopefully your mistakes don't aren't catastrophic and you learn from other people's mistakes and you just research and do all of your 
all of the work that it takes and then and fly, then you'll just become a better bush pilot. Yeah. How how was that first time going up by yourself though? Yeah, it was scary. It was, <laughs> it was like I was I was way more comfortable jumping into a you know going into a six day adventure race yeah. than uh, that you know that I knew I was going to suffer hard and it's going <laughs> to be brutal. I was like I remember getting into the uh, into the plane you know when I was going to do my first solo and and just sweating like just just being just sweating because it didn't I found that it didn't um, it's not like uh, a sport where athletically I was naturally you know fortunate to be able to pick sports up quickly but there was a time at the early part of my aviation career where I said to my wife I said Denise I don't know if I'm gonna get this <laughs> like it's it's just it's a completely different thing like I I was so used to oh yeah I got this you know, we're going to run a marathon. Yeah, I got this. Or I'm going to go, you know, kayak, whitewater, kayak a river. Yeah, no problem. This did not come that way. Yeah. And, but I got good advice from not just instructors, from other bush pilots that said, no, just, you know, it's, it's going to come. It's, it's not intuitive. It's a muscle memory and you just have to, you just have to fly and getting over that first. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's get in the plane and go. Yeah. Um, how long until you became comfortable with it? Um, I, I became comfortable fairly quickly. Okay. Once once I got that muscle muscle memory down, and and because you know, for me, um, you know, guys in Iowa can go their whole career and never have to, you know, really bush fly, yeah. right? So you have to the learning curve is a little bit higher here the stakes are a little bit higher you have to be on your game a little bit more than just flying in southern ontario the the biggest thing in southern ontario is is a navigation because everything looks the same oh yeah you know where here you know we have mountains and we can reference mountains and valleys and you know you have that uh, those reference points so um yeah it took I, the comfort level came fairly quickly once I got the, you know, the mechanics of it out of the way. Yeah. So how, how long does it take to film an episode for your show? Like, is it a couple weeks or like a week or what? Like, I mean, I guess it's probably as long as the expedition itself, but it's just interesting to me because you have to pack everything up. You have to, you're bringing like kayaks, you're bringing your airplane, you're bringing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so it you know it really depends on on the game and the and the location of it. Like the Yukon is, and I've we hunt all over the Yukon from you know from the top to the bottom and both sides. So we we do cover a pile of country because the Yukon is a it's a big place and uh, the population is really small. Yeah. Um, so some of those hunts we've done a hunt in as as quick as three, three and a half days. Okay. Um, but that's really uncommon. Our average is at least, at least a week. Um, and some of these, you know, these bigger, more expedition style hunts, they can take 10 days. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. So but what the difference is, is that we don't, they could take three weeks, but <laughs> we try to power through them. <laughs> yeah. What, what do people have to kind of look forward to in the new, in the new episodes? Cause I know I saw a couple, like one that really interests me. It looks like you're hunting with your dad. Yeah. Um, so you're season one, which is airing right now on the sportsman channel. Um, season one was really, um, high, you know, more of this adventure style cinematic hunting, which, which has been, is kind of my, my wheelhouse and season two, what we've, what we've done is, um, like we've tried to bring, tried to introduce some more characters, some more people that, that I just want to be with. Like Travis did a couple hunts with, yeah. with me and, um, and, and my dad who is, who is, you know, he's, he's been a rock star in my life and has always been, you know, has always been there and pushing and just, you know, I, the, the classic line I remember from my father is him always saying when I was playing hockey to me, this is, he always said to me, Greg, you be the first on the ice and the last to leave and you work harder than everybody else. And you will achieve what you want to achieve. Now that didn't necessarily work out because at the end of the day, I didn't have uh, I didn't have the hands to be, or maybe I didn't work hard enough at it. But nonetheless, um, those things have always resonated with me, and that's was kind of my father's attitude that if you just work harder than everyone else, you will win. Yeah. And and in a, in a lot of ways you know he he is he is right it's it's hard work and when i got the opportunity to be able to you know to still hunt with my dad and he's 72 years old and i'm sheep hunting and maybe a lot of your audience doesn't know that's you super know, rare right like it's hard to get a tag for sheep or is it or is that not no, the case it, in the yukon that is not the case in the yukon okay um, and that's what uh, you know another great thing about about where we live but what is super rare is seeing a 72-year-old yeah. go up and down the mountains in search of a sheep, which is like the pinnacle of hunting in North America in a lot of people's opinions, and certainly mine because I love sheep hunting and I love the mountains. But the to see your father digging deep at 72 to climb the mountains – and go after this this sheep, which you know most thirty five year olds would be go, going. Oh, that's too much work. I, I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, to, so to experience that as a as a son, to see your dad, you know, working hard, the kind of the way that he told you that you should be working, and that it always instilled in you, you know, you just need to work harder than everybody else. Well, guess what? He wasn't a bunch of talk because now he's 72 <laughs> yeah. and he's working harder than every other 72-year-old out there that I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, I've been very fortunate to have been, you know, to raised in a family. I don't have, you know, I don't have a story where, you know, it's, it's a hardship or it's been, you know, a hard luck story. I don't have one of those. Um, and in, in some ways, that is a story because when there's not, when you've got nowhere else to go but up, when you hit the bottom, um, I think, and some, and I'm, 
you know, I can't even imagine what the, you know, that some people have went through. But when you hit the bottom and there's only one place to go, you have a choice. And that's between crash and burn or pick yourself up and get going. And guys like, you know, guys like David Goggins, when you hear his yeah. story, you know, the stories of like massive hardships and and these kind of things like those are inspirational absolutely because there's a guy that was 300 pounds and he got it together and now he's you know maybe he's mad at the world but at least he's funneling at least he's funneling his his energy now in a positive yeah, way to, for sure to help people um and and that's where i don't know i don't know the man but that it's it's great i never had that yeah but what i what, what i did have was a comfortable life where you could easily have just went through it and taken the, and stayed in a policing job or stayed in whatever you know normal job and not went after adventure because that would have been the easiest thing to do. Yeah, and and I think that um, you know I as I get older and I and I look for who I am and what it is about me and I think that 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 is it. I was instilled at a young age from great parents. To work harder, and and I think that you know I don't always work harder than everybody else. I don't, and and I have to like everybody else get up in the morning, and I gotta go holy, like <laughs> let's let's do this. Yeah, and I have to self talk, and I have to have mind domination, and those are the kind of the keys that that I think help me just just try to be the better version of me every day. Yeah, there's something about self induced hardships. Where you're like, in the back of your mind, there's always that voice that's like, you don't have to do this. You can go home in your nice comfy bed and go to sleep right now. And then like yeah. trying to battle that little voice, there's something about that that's just like this other challenge. Yeah. Well, when that when that voice comes up, that like that's the well, that isn't an option. <laughs> like you can't like when you make make it that once I've set I've made the decision to do this. All those voices that come in, those are just that's just bullshit talk in the background. Yeah. Like that's not that's not what's going to happen. And when you have the mindset that no matter once I've started down this path, I'm gonna finish it, then then you will finish. Yeah. Oh, that that voice overpowers everything else because it's yeah. that important to you. Um do you have any like any kind of arctic heroes or you know like is there is there anyone you look up to i mean your dad obviously but is there anyone else that that kind of inspires you yeah you know there's there's a number of um and it's interesting that now as like i i kind of look at those things i never had heroes like i i always made it almost a point to not have <laughs> a hero yeah um as you know, growing up, and I, I would guess I would say I don't still don't have heroes, but I certainly admire qualities that people have. And um, but when you say specifically to like the Arctic, uh, Arctic explorer type thing, that whole Shackleton expedition and how they how they dealt with that as a team um, is is a pretty amazing story. Oh yeah, and, that that's like one actually, of my favorite stories of all time, like in all of history, <laughs> like to actually do what they set out to do and then to come across because you don't anticipate, 
you know, getting stuck in the ice. Like that's not something that they planned to happen. I, yeah. I can't imagine. But but once it did, it's how they dealt with it. That's the story, and um, and 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 it's it's fabulous. So so that that whole expedition and not you know obviously Shackleton is the is the name behind it. It's like um, you know, but it takes it takes a, a number of great men to to make those decisions and to do to do those kind of things. So it does. Um, but the leadership he showed in that to keep everyone's yeah. mostly like to to keep everyone's mindset as positive as possible when you're lost yeah. in the middle of yeah. like as far away from society as humanly possible. Yeah, <laughs> it's and and it's just it is just a testament to him. And it's 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 a mindset. It's like everything. It's yeah. like I I find that um, and people that know me <laughs> that spend time with me in in these places and uh, when something is going wrong, I tend to smile and I tend to. I tend to go, hmm, yeah, this sucks, doesn't it, guys? And it's just like, and everybody's like, their faces are down. And then as soon as you you just change your change your mind, you say, hey, this is this sucks right now, but guess what? It's going to be awesome when we get through it. Yeah. And and as as long as you can have that kind of um, attitude toward thing, because you know what, life is a series of ups and downs. You know. Good things are going to happen and bad things are going to happen. And it's going to happen to everybody. Nobody is immune from it, whether it's disease in a family or whether it's, you know, you know, catastrophic things happen or you just have to be able to control your mind to a point where you understand that these things are going to happen and you don't have to like it, but you have to understand that this is reality and you have to carry on and you have to keep moving. Yeah, man. That's awesome. And I feel like that's something learned through adventure. Yeah, I think the outdoors, just just being in being in the outdoors and exploring what's new for you is so um, soul fulfilling. Like for me, it's not about it's not about hunting. It's not about like the taking of an animal's life. It's it's not about, you know, climbing to the top of the mountain. It's about the experience and it's about the, doing it in nature, the way that we were have always done it. And it's so easy now to get away from these natural places and have this artificial world that is made up man-made. Um, but if you can take the time, like I shouldn't say if you can, because everybody can and do it, take the time to walk out into, it doesn't matter if it's a park, you know, near your house, you live in the city, just get it, go look at a bird, go feel a tree, feel the bark on a tree yeah, and, and just connect to the, connect to this planet that we live on. And if you can do that, there's something about that inside that just that you can't get from watching the television or watching your smartphone. That's right. Like, I mean, yeah, you got me so inspired. Now I'm like, I got to wrap this up so I can get outside out into the fresh snow out here in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> um, where where can people uh, find your show? And like, is there a specific episode that you felt like really captured what you set out to capture? 
Um, yeah, this. So where I guess to answer the first question, where you can find us is we're airing on the Sportsman Channel right now, and actually we're probably just wrapped up. It's the end of the end of the year. Okay. So, um, but you can follow follow us, and you can follow myself on Instagram at Greg McHale's Wild Yukon, as well as Facebook. Um, so most of our our premier content is is on the on the Sportsman Channel. But what we're, you know, we're going to be producing, you know, a lot of um, just kind of more what we're really being asked for is more some technical and some teaching stuff and maybe, you know, some some mindset and some I don't know if motivation is the right word. But I mean, just just kind of we've been get, really getting more requests for, for that. So we're going to really start to ramp up our YouTube channel. Um, and that's just uh Greg McHale's Wild Yukon as well. So awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the What was the second? Was question? there Was there like one specific episode or something you've you filmed that you feel like really captured what you set out to film? Like with the whole adventure, um, yeah. endurance, and hunting, like kind of like combination there. Yeah. The, so actually, there's there's two. So one one will be one will be from um from this year but the the first hunt that we did is is a is a doll sheep hunt and i always wanted to hunt from my house so just awesome. literally leave home <laughs> yeah human powered and go and take a you know get a doll sheep and be able to to do that from home so uh, it just played into adventure racing mode 101 and I before the season started three days before the season I knew where I had to get to uh, because I had flown an area uh, before and I knew where I wanted to go this mountain block so that mountain block um, was about 100 kilometers away from my house and I left home with my kayak on, um, on, 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 like I pulled my kayak behind me with my gear in it on a, on a little cart and I ran to a lake, which isn't very far. It's only like four kilometers from home. So I ran to a lake and then I put my <laughs> kayak in and, and I kayaked 40 K and then we, we got out from there and then we hiked, you know, three different mountain blocks and 70 kilometers later came to the area that we wanted to hunt. And then we started hunting. That's amazing. So, man. What, what were your neighbor's re reactions when you walked out with a kayak? Oh, well, I mean, my name, you got to remember I live in the Yukon. Oh, so true. There's, not of, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of neighbors, but I mean, that would just be normal operating procedure for, for me. They would, you know, I don't think any eyebrows would get raised in my, in my area. That's amazing, man. You know? What, what about from this season? Uh, you mentioned one from this one. Yeah, you know what? The one that really, um, that really is, is probably, in my opinion, the best episode that we we've ever produced. And it's not, you know, and that's the. Did did you actually see it? The the one with my father and I. So I I just watching like the preview. Okay. Um, I saw that you were hunting with your father, and like there is a moment where, you know, as a son, you will like tear up a little bit, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, like I that that hunt is and every time I go out with my dad is somewhat emotional for me because 
you know, my dad and I are, are great friends and he was my, he was the best man at my wedding. Um, so this is, this is the kind of friendship that my father and I have. Um, but we also have a friendship that is much like, like friends in that we can get on each other's nerves. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and my dad is the kind of guy that he just, you know, he's, uh, a lot of my friends think that he's really funny and I don't, I don't quite see it that way sometimes, but, <laughs> um, no, he's, he's a character for sure. And I enjoy being with him. And when, when I watch, you know, you watch your father push himself, um, and you don't know that it's going to, how it's going to, you know, work out in the end, but he just does everything you ask of him and doesn't complain and there's no whining there's no it's just get it done and and he did that and to see him see the the him pull that off and i yeah i have trouble articulating it because it's it is quite emotional to yeah. me um so yeah, it's it's fabulous to that was probably may go I don't know what life holds you know in the future, but that could go down as uh, my favorite uh, hunt of a lifetime. Yeah, man. Um, so so yeah, it's that that's something special that uh, nobody can ever take away, and I think that uh, it brings a more you know a more human aspect to kind of some of these hunts where we just hit it hard and people um, people see it and go oh okay well that's looks like a you know a ski film or that this looks like easy and <laughs> yeah but it, it's so we're we're trying to add certainly a little bit more of that kind of element where people can um yeah people can relate to what's what's happening on the screen that's awesome man i think you're gonna get like a huge response for that episode that would be my uh prediction yeah i i, I hope so i yeah yeah, man. Well, that's awesome. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me. I know, I know it's, you know, it's it, life's busy <laughs> for everybody. So I I really do appreciate um, you taking some time and, and joining us for the show. No, thanks, Chris. Appreciate you, ha you having me and uh, yeah, good luck to you and uh, keep in touch. And if you ever, um, yeah, yeah, I know you're out there hitting the, hitting the roads and putting in the miles. So good luck with that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, stay strong. Thanks, man. Well, we'll we'll have to have you on again, man, because I really enjoyed the conversation. So, uh, if you're willing, I would love I would love that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. I, I appreciate talking to you, and uh, you take care. And anytime. Awesome. All right, we're back really quick. <laughs> I was talking to okay. Greg a little bit further and uh, realized I forgot to ask him about a couple of his goals. You know, with with uh, you know, you're just describing. Um, trying to bring kind of the adventure athlete community and the hunting world together so people can kind of like reach a common understanding of of what what that is and how they are like very comparable to each other. Yeah, I think that the perception of hunters in, in a lot of ways is this, you know, this bloodthirsty killer, but this isn't what hunters are at all. And what we, you know, and, and I... I know because I I live in both worlds. I live in the hunting world and I live in the the outdoor, the lover of nature and we are the same people. Like it's it's interesting that you know a lot of people put themselves up, oh well I would never hunt because you know it's just cruel and and 
But at the same time, hunters just, we love being out in nature and observing and just seeing what, you know, what is out there. And yes, hunting is part of it. There, there is, there is the death of an animal that is, is kind of, is often perceived as the goal. Um, but that's, that's not the goal. That is, that is one part of the experience. If you're fortunate enough to be able to, to make that happen so that you can fill your freezer with amazing wild meat. Yeah. Um, uh, but that isn't, that is not the, that's not the, the experience is the whole thing. And that's what I'm trying to relay and trying to, to, you know, kind of bring people that don't understand hunting and why we do what we do. It's really because we're conservationists and we really love nature and, um, and, and, you know, this balance of being able to, to go out and harvest an animal that you can put in, in your freezer and feed your family for the winter. There's something liberating about that. Um, all the while being in these beautiful places, uh, this is nature. Yeah, man. And so when it comes to, you know, there's, there's this perception of the trophy hunter and my, my real, I I really have a tough time with that. And I've, I want to be, I want that to change. And I, for anybody out there that ever asks or asks me about it, it's, I am a trophy hunter. Because the trophy is not the horns. The trophy is the experience. And every hunter is a trophy hunter if they put that meat in their freezer or whether they hang some horns on their or antlers on their wall or not. The experience is the trophy. It's the hard work that we put in to climbing the mountains, to going after the game, or to researching, you know, a farmer's field or getting permission, talking to their neighbors. Like there's so many aspects of hunting that have nothing to do with the kill. And I think that that really that's what I'm trying to trying to send out as a message that I'm not afraid to say I am a trophy hunter because for me the trophy is the experience. The yeah, trophy man. is teaching your son how to shoot a pellet gun, you know, and, and spending time with your children, with your friends, with your family, um, just in wild places or, or just going outside into nature. And that's what hunting is, is really about. Yeah, so man. that's a beautiful way to put it, man. My, <laughs> yeah, the perception of hunt, trophy hunting has to change because, and the only way that, uh, the only way that it can change is if people understand why we do it. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, Greg, thank you. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks for coming back on <laughs> at the end. I was talking to him after after we got done recording. And I was like, oh man, I want to definitely like under like record that and have people kind of hear, you know, your purpose and your goal. So thank you, man. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. All right. All right. That wraps up the show this week. Greg, thank you so much, man. Super honored to talk to you. And uh, anytime I, you know, as I prepare to to talk to people who live in like the Yukon or Alaska, I'm always a bit intimidated because I'm like, man, like they're gonna be a lot like more badass than you know, than me because <laughs> they're dealing with, you know, more severe weather and like 
bears and all sorts of crazy stuff up in the Yukon and like the Alaska kind of area. So, uh, so yeah, so thank you for making me still, you know, feel like a badass while talking to you, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But yeah, so anyways, love talking to you, Greg. Um, check out his show, Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. Like I said in the intro, his Instagram's awesome. So it'll give you kind of an idea of what to expect there. And like I said, like, I enjoy adventure. Um, I feel like adventure really is the easiest way to access your own mindset. And really when you think about, and I know some people get really comfortable, right? Like they don't like to push their limits, but I think the things you learn about yourself when you push your limits and when you understand what you can endure, the things you learn about yourself in those moments are are something that you can't get anywhere else. Like adventure is going to teach you these lessons that just make you that much better of a person. And heading up into the mountains, anytime you head up into the mountains, you're going to have those adventures, right? And adventure is kind of like when you're when you're headed out into the unexpected, into the unknown, right? And so you're heading into these areas. You're like, I'm not sure what I'm going to face, but I know... I'm strong enough to endure whatever life throws at me. And I know I'm going to learn something about myself through this experience. And, you know, you look back on these adventures and even in the moments where it's like raining on you for days or your feet are sore, or you know, you can't, you're climbing up a mountain, you can barely breathe. But then you look back even like hours later after the adventure and you're like, I am so glad I did that. Um, and I really just hope by sharing these podcasts, I hope people can understand like, I hope you can understand what adventure will bring to your life because for me, it's completely like transformed my mindset, transformed my confidence. Uh, and you know, it just has given me these experiences that I'm so glad I've had and experiences that I'm kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, like, People don't generally have like I'm, I just experienced something that no one else will witness because I was in this very specific area at this very specific time. Right. Like I remember last year, last summer, I hiked up. I'm trying to remember what the lake's called. It's like King's Lake or something in the Indian Peaks wilderness. And I got about a mile away from the lake and it was just completely snow covered. And I was like, OK, I can post hole through this snow for an hour. For a mile which is gonna be very painful very tiring um, or I can turn around and I ended up choosing to post hole for that mile and I got to the lake and I was sitting there eating my sandwich and the thought just came over to came over me I'm like wow like you're the only person who was dumb enough to post hole <laughs> to this lake on this day like there was no one else around I'm like you have this experience that no one else is gonna have um, and thinking about that, when I got back to my car, it's like something you're proud about, something you're like exhilarated by something that just like reconnects you to what life is. Um, you know, and if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I'm a dad. And so I get to witness the world through the eyes of my kids, you know, and I get to be like, oh, this is their first time 
you know, experiencing a trampoline <laughs> or something, you know, where, but they just, they live life so fully because they, every day is an adventure to them, right? Like they're learning things. They're learning all these new things all the time. So like every single day is an adventure. And I think by heading out into the wilderness as an adult, it's kind of trying to like recapture those feelings you had as a child where everything's new. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's going to happen next. And that's what it means to me. I love adventure because it does. It makes me feel like a kid again. I know that's kind of cheesy to say, but it truly does. You feel like a kid because you're like, because you're going into the unexpected and you're learning all these new things and you're experiencing all these new things that you wouldn't just by staying at home and like being inside of your routine. Like I love having a routine. Don't get me wrong. I like being on a routine and being consistent with a lot of things I do, but I also know there's the aspect of me that needs adventure every so often. I need to throw myself outside my routine to, to really experience life to the fullest. So I hope you got that from Greg's, uh, interview. I mean, it seems like we seem very similar in our mindsets as it pertains to that. And it sounds like Greg is doing something really cool where it's like, he's combining all of his passions into a way like a package where he can share this message with people. And it was interesting when we first started talking, cause I don't know if Greg's been on a lot of, I, I know he's been on a lot of like hunting podcasts and that's not necessarily what this is. This is more of like a adventure sports kind of deal. And at first I'm sure it kind of like threw him off maybe a little bit, but that shared bond over just having these adventures and specifically having them in the wilderness, I think uh, really connected me to his mindset. And if you have that same mindset or if this mindset sounds kind of like interesting to you or something where you're like, wow, like that's something I want to explore. I would highly recommend checking out his show. Um, I've watched a few episodes and it's what it captures that experience. It captures what it's like to be out in nature in the wild and hopefully it inspires people to go have their own adventures. Maybe your adventure isn't hunting doll sheep in the mountains of the Yukon. That doesn't, that's part of the show, which is awesome. And I'm sure some people really connect to that aspect of it, but, but that doesn't have to be your adventure. Maybe it just inspires you to go out and go explore, go explore the area you're in, you know? So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. <laughs> I know it's probably like the fifth time I said it. Uh, we'll get back at you next week. So uh, we'll talk then. See ya.